Is this thing on? Welcome to Is This Thing On, an audio series from Gale exploring marketing, life, and random thoughts with business leaders from around the globe. On this episode, Gale Chief Brand and Experience Officer Winston Binch speaks with Global Chief Creative Officer of FCB Global, Susan Cradle. Let's join the conversation. So, number one, how was your pandemic? <laughs> um, All right. I I actually think I found out I'm an introvert. I, I've not been... T- I'm, I'm ready to be able to go out and be free, but it has not been as hard as if you had told me I would have to stay in one specific place for a year, I would have said that's impossible. So um, it hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see people and be with people. Agreed. What has changed for you um, just around your job, how you think about what we do as marketers, Um, just everything from, you know, work from wherever, the cultural shifts we've seen. uh, There's been a lot of change in a year. Yeah, some of it's been very positive for me. I think that, you know, when you're running a global company, sometimes you get very far away from the people and the work. And because it's easy to jump into things virtually, I found that I'm much more connected to the people and the work and the clients than I was when I was spending an exorbitant amount of time on planes. So the hours are really quality with people now. Um, it, and that's been fascinating to me that uh, you don't realize how many hours you are spending getting to places uh, versus just being able to jump into places and to do to do more more of that jumping because you physically don't have to get yourself there. Talk about the quality. You're talking about more quality connections maybe with team and clients. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I think when you when you're meeting in offices and things like that, we tend to be more specific about who's going to be in the meeting and hierarchy. And for some reason, I think when we've been on these virtual calls, one, there's no pre-existing way of showing up. And so we've had, you know, from project managers to assistants to, you know, junior teams, everybody comes in and it's great. And, you know, what's really nice, too, is those little names underneath everybody's uh, visual, because even when we did have conference room meetings with lots of people you tend to gravitate toward the people, you know, their names and who they are. And so, yeah, I feel like I've met so many more people in the company and understand what they do. (laughs) So um, that's been a great part of it. Um, The the part that's the hardest is what happens in the um, in-betweens, you know, what happens after the meeting where you kind of get out of your roles and relax and become human beings together. And that, you know, I'm missing. Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed is there's, you know, there's no head of the table, right? In the office, like the hierarchies have all changed and, and everyone, it does feel somewhat more egalitarian, although maybe we're sick of the Zoom, uh, <laughs> the Hollywood Squares effect, but um, it is. Well, I, my, my um, you know, the CEO of FCB, Carter Murray, I don't know, he's like six, eight, six, nine, you know, I'm five, three. When we walk into a room together, physically, there's just, <laughs> there's a big difference. And even though he takes up more space in his rectangle, 
it's kind of interesting to have everybody has the same amount of real estate in a in one of these virtual calls, and I, it makes a difference. It really, it's weird. And who I listen to, um, I think I'm more likely to watch everybody's body language and you know be interested in what um, different people have to say. So, that's absolutely. You know, you know, I've, you and I have talked about this before, but I mean, the cultural shifts, I mean, the, the pandemic just accelerated so much, you know, from just as we think about the digital world and, and how we work. Uh, but the cultural shifts have been um, tremendous. How have, the, how, how have they changed how you do your job and, and what you're advising your clients? Well, you know, I think a lot of what we do in this business is requires a lot of empathy. And, you know, and the more empathy you have for where people are and what they're doing, the more likely you are to be relevant and emotionally connect. And one of the things I think that happened early on is I've seen with our clients that we've been invited back to be more of a partner than I think we were. I think because there were real problems to solve and it wasn't business as usual and this is what we expect from you. And I think in not having a certain expectation of the role we would play um, has gotten us back into a much more interesting role with our clients. I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but you know, there, I think many times agencies were struggling with being treated more like vendors than partners. And it's a, it's, it's dangerous because we can't do our best jobs if we don't feel like we're in a partnership and the pandemic really did bring back that sense of how important it is to have a partner, especially when you're going through something unknown or a crisis. You know, when, when you know how to do your job, you don't need a partner. When you're not sure how to do your job, there's nothing better than a partner. And I think that's been a, a great um, side effect of all of this for both clients and agencies. Yeah, I mean, I, m- I remember when we were in New Orleans a few years ago, we were talking about the need to make little a advertising, capital A. <laughs> and, you know, the, what I think about now is this idea that brand strategy, maybe more than ever, is really business strategy. Yeah. And, and we've we've always talked about, but that somehow I think you're correct that agencies have kind of were had been relegated to just make me an ad when really yeah. we could be using you to using our creativity and, and strategic skills to help you re- really reframe your business, how you go to market, how you connect with customers, um, thinking about uh, the experience end to end. Yeah, and that's what I, you know, I think when I got into the business, I think agencies were more like that because it was it was a long time ago. Um, but I think when television became the dominant media, we as agency people were like, you know what? It's just as easy to write a television commercial as it is to do a print ad or think about a direct response or a promotion. And we can make a lot more money on TV. So we became TV makers. We became short form filmmakers, which was wonderful at the time. Um, but it also got us further away from the the business problems, business opportunities, thinking about a business, a, a business in a creative way. And we continue to see that, you know, if you have a business problem and you apply creativity to it, you, it's an economic multiplier. No doubt. Creativity applied against opportunities and problems, not TV spots, not ads. Um, you'll, you'll win. 
you'll be better. And we have undervalued creativity for two reasons. Is one, we think it only happened in film, which is not true. It happens in any way of thinking about coming, you know, coming into a conversation. But we also did our best creative on hot couture. We did it on briefs that clients didn't care about. And so we've got to get back to doing our best work on our biggest brands and on on the on the problems that the clients truly care about. Because um, then the, you'll never see the value if, if that's not where the creative is showing up. It's not precious. Creative is not meant to be over in a corner doing a little special thing. It's meant to be out in public, you know, in mass, uh, um, you know, affecting people in business. Absolutely. It's not something you do for half an hour in a day. Um, you know, We've talked about brand purpose for, it feels like, years and years and years. But really, uh, my interpretation, it's mostly been lip service. It, but it <laughs> feels like now, right, we're seeing, and in this moment, more brands are willing to take a stand. Um, what's your opinion of that? And, you know, where do you see it going? Well, again, I think it's empathy, right? So if we were in the 80s and nobody cared about purpose and showing up and doing good things in the world, I don't know if that would be the best, you know, way for a, a brand to show up. But today, I think what we're, you know, the, the, the new generation that's coming up is very interested in taking care of people and the planet. Um, and I think that they are going to vote with their wallets. And if they see companies that care about the same things they do, uh, that's going to make a difference to the bottom line. I think it's also interesting to there's confusion, I think, with brand with the concept of brand purpose and purpose driven marketing, you know, doing good things in the world. I think you're just supposed to do that. You know, I mean, you're, you that's a responsibility you have as a public, you know, being in the public. There's also the question of what business are you in, which is slightly different than purpose-driven marketing. It's like, what business are you in? And I think being clear about that and helping companies understand, I, I've always, this is going to sound a little meta, but I think that we use brand, product, business, and corporation as synonyms, and they're not. They're, they're very different. Brand, to me, is ephemeral. It, it is just a, it, 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 it breathes. And if you don't take care of your brand, it becomes small. If you take care of your brand and know how to take care of a brand, it becomes incredibly giving and generous and powerful and, and worthy um, and can be valued. The business you're in is different than the product you make. So, you know, we've all heard the classic stories of like um, Blockbuster who thought they were in the business of video cassettes in brick and mortar stores around the corner. I think they were actually in the business of getting you the best entertainment that you're the most interested in easily and affordably. And if they had been in that business, they would have bought Netflix because they would have said, oh, wow, Netflix is going to actually be even faster, easier and better than this corner store that's fairly convenient and fairly affordable. Um, so I think I think it's interesting. And then and then how you show up as a corporation uh, is is more how you behave internally, your values. And I think more than ever, I mean, it's not a new idea, but I think it's back in vogue is that you cannot show up to the public one way and and have a character and a value internally that's different. Um, they have to be complementary. And so when you have your corporate culture 
the business you're in, the products you make that support the business you're in, those things to me equal what becomes the brand. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I am actually really excited by about this topic because it, you know, we always used to look at Patagonia. It's like maybe one of the only brands that kind of brings it all together. But I think we're seeing more and more examples um, of brands, you know, um, we work with Chipotle, but like they have the purpose, but they also um, have invested in digital infrastructure and systems. And I think you're seeing mm -hmm. uh, brands bring together, you know, a, a good sense of purpose, values in their business, a clear understanding of who they are with smart digital investment. And, and it, uh, to your point, it, it moves the business and it, it's, it's the right thing for the business. Well, and I think, I think this co uh, COVID and this last year, I've heard more than one client say we did in five weeks what we had planned on doing in five years. There was just an acceleration because it forced everybody into this virtual digital world. I mean, think about, think about how Zoom, I don't think I'd ever done a Zoom call, or if I had, not many before the pandemic. And now, you know, we, we just take it for granted. We want it to do more. We ask for it to do more. So I think we've accelerated, like you said, all of that. So we're more agile and then we can do more of the right things. Mm -hmm. So let's shift gears. Uh, brands that are marketing that you're loving and why? Maybe, you know, just thinking back recent times or the last year, what stood out? And Oh, those are always the hard questions for me. My short-term memory is really, really, really failing me. Um, you know, one of the, I think that, you know, I'm obviously closer to the work that we've been working on, um, and that's usually top of mind. But what I found is that we're doing much more of what I call titanium marketing, which is it's not about a piece of film, beautiful or not. It's about an ecosystem of an idea that, also continues to build on itself. So like, you know, um, one of the ideas that I'm really proud of uh, is the uh, Michelob Ultra Court side, which when LeBron said, we can't play without fans, you know, it's like, well, then maybe we need to not just have cardboard cutouts and stands, but can we bring a fan experience, you know, to the game for the players, but also for the fans. And what's interesting is what became something that we thought was a COVID idea, I think it's actually an inclusive idea for the NBA. And all of a sudden, you know, we had people, you know, from around the world showing up for a courtside seat at an NBA game and they're sitting beside, you know, Barack Obama or Shaq or, and they got to experience the thrill of, you know, when you walk into your courtside and you see who you're sitting beside, but that experience you know, we thought it was, I, the team was like, it'll be a cool idea. It'll be great. It's great for Michelob Ultra. It's on brand. But what I really think it was, was making, making a sport more inclusive to a lot of people. And I'm seeing that with a lot of the things in the arts where by going virtual, more people are actually experiencing things because the people that can't afford to travel someplace or buy a ticket um, because the tickets are limited now, you know, it's, it's, it's open. So that's been great. I also, you know, we work with Walmart a lot and I've been really impressed. Again, it's big thinking. Like I feel like people aren't just trying to move product off shelves, but they're really trying to think about how their companies show up and make a, a difference. I know that when we're working on meaningful work, everybody's in a better place. Um, 
And that's encouraging. Yeah, I, I love that we have to be less reliant on TV, to your point. Yeah. It just it forces us to think about doing the right thing, the right idea that's going to reach uh, the customers in the, in, in the appropriate way. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's great. It, 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 let's talk about just something more personal. Um, what mantras have you relied on maybe in the last year? You know, what, what's keeping you moving, going? Well, I, I think that one of the things that's been, I, we talked about this, is that it's been beautiful to explore internally, externally, through creativity, is this idea of vulnerability. And that vulnerability can either be terrifying or exciting. And how do you shift from it being terrifying to being exciting? It's also played into how we build a culture of vulnerability, which I think will really help us accelerate our DEI work. Because if people feel like they can they can show up in a way that they don't have to be confident all the time, they don't have to be right all the time, I think we're going to get even better. And, you know, for even for me, I don't like to fail. I don't like to come through. Uh, and th there was something freeing about last March, April, May, where nobody expected you to succeed because nobody knew what they were doing. You know, we didn't know what we were stepping into. And it, it had a moment of don't be afraid. There is no right answer right now. So just start doing. And I, it reminded me of the freedom of, of play and that we, especially, you know, we're ad agencies. We, we are not going to process our way to brilliance. We can use tools and, and think the right way, but play is going to get us there. Creativity and showing up and letting go. And this has given me permission to do it. And it's given me permission, given me the ability to give our other creative leaders in the company permission um, to try. And the weird part is, is they've all been great. You know, it's like there hasn't been too much egg on our face. It's actually been like, wow, we got, we, we were free to, be creative. And, um, and I, I think, you know, once we get back into a more normal world where we can apply that freedom and hold on to maybe what that felt like, but be together and be in rooms with the energy and the physicality and be out in culture where we're inspired by things that we walk by, I think that could be, you know, a, a combustive creative moment, um, this coming out of this. Yeah, absolutely. You made me think a couple of things, you know, one, you, you've touched on the word empathy a couple of times. I mean, and really empathy is our business. I mean, like that's what really we are intended to do. Um, and I also love this idea and I felt the same thing that, you know, these constraints, that the constraints that the pandemic put on us forced us to invent and yeah. reinvent so much of what we do. And, you know, as, as hard as it has been personally, I think for us and our employees and our families, creatively it's been kind of fun yeah <laughs> right i mean we, we've had to like rethink the job and, and work differently um you know what with so much changing i mean i know when we started out in our business there weren't that many options for creative people right like be a filmmaker be a musician be a painter there are so many options for young people um that have design degrees or want to write what, what advice like would you give young creatives starting out now 
or if you were to go through it again, you know? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really interesting because I, I've always said, like we were talking about, should we, um, how much infrastructure should we build in co-creation work? And um, I, I, we were talking about our production studios within FCB, and I said we need to be very careful that we don't overspend in a lot of, you know, hardcore assets, because I think young people are coming up as makers just naturally. You know, there's they editing, you know, um, building their brands. So they're already coming in with skill sets that, you know, I didn't have at all. I had thinking. That was my skill set is, is, is thinking. Um, but the making, I think we're going to have so many incredible makers because of they've just grown up naturally doing it, um, which is fascinating because I think it's going to get back to what's going to separate the people that can edit and shoot and film and pose and is the content. You know, it's not going to be the making. It's going to be the quality of the content and the thinking. And and that's interesting to me. I mean, I love like, you know, Amanda Gorman comes out as this poet laureate. And now all of a sudden poetry, which was some old fuddy duddy thing that nobody talked about. Now it's every, you know, people are like, I love, I want to be into poetry. I want to study. Think about, I listened to Frank Skinner, who is a comedian, an English comedian, but he has um, a, a poetry podcast and it's just fascinating. So, um, I guess my advice to young people, I had a, two young designers that want to start their own company. Um, and they were calling me about advice and I was like, look, I still think it's about brand. If you want to build something, start with what, who are you? What do you want to do? Why are you going to do it differently? Um, and do you want to build it or do you want to join it? Um, I like I, for a couple of times in my career, I thought maybe I should go with some friend, people I like and start my own agency. And I realized that I actually like the bigness of big agencies. I I like seismic shifts. I like being able to do big things and, and have lots of talent around me. Whereas if you're scrappy and you like to do it all yourself, you you can I think it, now more than ever, you have the ability to try. Uh, you don't need a lot of funding to get started, um, which is what's exciting, you know, about a lot of artists from the music industry to the comedy, you know, um, stand up comedy. I think, you know, we're discovering more humor just because you can put yourself out there digitally and that doesn't require financial, you know, investment. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you've talked about this idea, uh, uh, notion that you started winning awards when you stopped trying to win them. Can you talk about <laughs> that a little bit more? You know, it's funny. I was just watching an interview with Gerard Butler, you know, on, on um, the Baylor team, MVP. And he said he said something very similar. He goes, we don't play the scoreboard. And he said, you know, we concentrate on playing. We don't concentrate on winning. And actually, if we're so involved with the game that we're just trying to play our best, we actually end up winning. And it's a little bit like that. We we were like, man, this winning awards thing, it f feels like it should be a byproduct, not the goal. should not be the mission to win awards. It should be the byproduct of trying to do right by our clients. And and so, and again, live into the mission of that we believe creativity is an economic multiplier. And so when we do creative things for our clients, they should feel that 
it was worth it, you know, that they got a great ROI. And when we started doing that, when we started setting our own standards of what we thought great work was, which is, you know, to be provocative, to ask people to participate in it and to build brand equity. If we could do those three things every time we sent something out the door, we'd probably be in good shape. And so that's what we've been swinging at. And the award started coming. Um, so it's, it's a, I, you know, we say it's a part of the journey, but it's not the destination. I think awards are important and at different times for different people. When you're younger, it gives you, you know, it's, it's inspirational. You want to, you want to win them. Uh, I think as someone learning the craft, it can be inspirational too, you know, and teach you like, Oh, that is a good idea. The peer, my peers say that this is the kind of work I should be doing. And it makes you raise your internal creative bar. Um, it does attract talent. You know, it, it does keep talent. I think, you know, we have, I have found that any time in our agency network that we're struggling, if we can get a great piece of work out the door, our fortunes change. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I, I think you have to put it in a perspective. And, and it's also it's like if you're trying to guess what would win an award, I mean, that's crazy. You know, it's like because every year it changes and you get different juries. And um, it's just it's it, it doesn't seem like a smart way to approach the award shows. I think that believe in the kind of work you want to do and go do it. And if it wins awards, kudos. And if it doesn't, you might be doing something that we can't even recognize yet. <laughs> so you just have to keep perspective. What's your favorite lesson maybe you've taken from a mentor uh, or someone you've worked with along your career, something that sticks with you today? Well, I'll actually, a client told me this once when I had, when a piece of work we did for them just never aired and I felt terrible about it. And he said, why are you so upset? And I said, because you, you bet on this idea. I bet on this idea. We made it. We spent a lot of money and it did nothing. I mean, it didn't even get to go in the world. I mean, it's just, it's, I feel like I'm a total failure. And he said, how many times has this happened to you? And I was like, this is the first. And I mean, I think I've been in the business 20 years. And he goes, oh, dear Lord, Susan. And what I realized is that I had believed that old adage of you're only as good as the last thing you make. And that's not true. You're as good as what you do throughout your career and, and the highlights. The highlights are what are important, not the low ones. And the low ones you'll learn from. But I wish... I wish I hadn't been that afraid of failure and that, and Fernando Machado said the same thing. The way we became friends is he, I was listening to give a um, talk at the one club for creativity. And um, he said, he doesn't worry about failing because nobody remembers the failures. Uh, nobody really remembers the successes. That's why what keeps the lights on in our business is you got to keep telling stories over and over again. You got to keep showing up. But he said, you know, I don't talk about the things that didn't work. And I really talk a lot about the things that did. Um, but yeah, I think that the best advice is, you know, this is, this is a marathon, not a sprint and you're going to scrape your knees a few times and that's going to make you better. What about, you know, there's, uh, talk to me about where you think um, 
brand and marketing are going in terms of social. And I mean, there's been a lot of change hmm. wise of TikTok. Um, you know, how are you thinking about social media? Well, again, I, I've always believed this. So, you know, I'm either stuck in the mud or I I'm, I've been right a lot of the times, <laughs> but, uh, I think big ideas, like when you said advertising, little a advertising, big a, big a ideas are timeless. And our job is to create those big a ideas that are timeless and then execute them in a timely way. So, so I, I, I love the idea of, I think the best marketers understand both timely and timeless and they do both. Um, and hopefully at the same time. And I think one of the things that I saw going wrong with social media is that I think people couldn't figure out how they served the brand authentically and served the audience authentically. And we have to do both. You have to respect who the audience is, what they're expecting when they're in a certain platform. And so the brand doesn't interrupt that experience that they're hoping to have. But at the same time, the brand must execute in a way that you don't dismiss the totally the brand. And all of a sudden you're just providing content that doesn't do anything for your brand. You're just showing up in a space. And I think it's always been that way. Um, the, the, the best brands understand where they're showing up, who they're showing up to, why, and the why has to answer their brand. I also think social media must connect back to, to, to the bigger story. So, you know, if you, if you have an idea that you want to push into social, if it's more connected, like, you know, like a, a, a perfect little example from years ago for me was straight out of Compton, you know, it didn't, they didn't go so far away, you know, from the title of the movie, they sat right on top of it, but made it a social idea. And so everything was connected. You understood, you know, the truth about what the movie was about, made people think about where they came from, but still, you know, it was a complete story. It doesn't, it didn't look like some disconnect tactic over here trying to get people's attention. Yeah, you know, one thing I we've seen over the last uh, a year or so is just maybe more clients asking for true integrated ideas and thinking, uh, which I love because, yeah. you know, I've always been a big believer that the strategy is the idea. Yeah. To your point about Straight Outta Compton, like there's an intent, it's clear and it's focused and the, the creative is really an expression of what right. that, that idea is. Um, Right. So then if you understand the platform, it's like, okay, we know what this idea is. How does it look in this space? Like, so on TikTok, how does it look on Instagram? How would it look, you know, and that to me is where we've got to get more sophisticated. Well, thanks, Susan. This, this has been awesome. Uh, a, a real pleasure. It's great to touch base and hopefully we'll be in person somewhere in the city. Maybe you can join me on a weird random Wednesday. I'm down. Let's do okay. it. All right. It's so good to see you. Take care. Thank you. This has been Is This Thing On? The Gale Audio Series. For more information about this or any other episode in the series, visit gale.agency ideas. And to learn about Gale and how we can help you with your marketing efforts, visit www.galepartners.com. On behalf of the entire team at Gale, 
Thanks for listening. 